The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. Welcome to episode 281 of the Sports Yak Podcast. Oh, you mean the Paul O'Neill episode. Paul O'Neill. Wasn't he on Married with Children? Uh, no, no. Oh, that's Ed O'Neill. Yes. Sorry. And it's not Eugene O'Neill, the playwright either. It's Paul O'Neill who played on World Series champions with the Reds and the Yankees. Spanked 281 home runs in his big league career. He is honored in the dedication of today's yak. What if home runs actually sounded like, uh, what did you call it, a spank? I said spank. (laughs) Like a cartoon spank. (laughs) Crack of the bat. Gone. All right. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents... Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! Well, let's get into it, Chuck Freebie. What do you got for us today? High school basketball last night. The big game was over at Marion, Demetrius Jackson Court. Oh, they had all the big hitters there. Bob Nagel was in attendance as the Marion Knights ran their record to 10-2 and on the season with a 43-34 win over the Bi-County champion John Glenn Falcons. Um, closely contested game in the first half, and then Marion put together a very good spurt by changing its defense from zone to man-to-man. That seemed to make all the difference. They were in a zone early. John Glenn popped three three-pointers over the top of them. So Marion switched to a man-to-man, which allowed them to pressure the shooter more. And they felt they were more athletic than John Glenn, and they were probably right because Glenn really had problems against that Marion defense last night. So Marion now 10-2 and on the year, and we'll see the Knights in a couple of weeks when they play St. Joe. Marion ranked number 7 in 3A, St. Joe ranked number 6 in 3A. Where's John Glenn at? Walkerton. Walkerton. Yes. Okay. All right. So also last night... In the NIC, congratulations to John Adams. They are still undefeated, ran their record to 14-0 with a win at Bremen last night. It is the 1,000th victory in the history of John Glenn High School. Big weekend. John Adams. Or John, John Adams High School. The reason I was thinking John Glenn is because uh, Adams faces John Glenn this weekend. Ooh, the Battle of the Johns. Yes. And then Adams on Saturday has a big game down at Warren Central. 
Warren Central is ranked number 10 in the state. John Adams is ranked number 5 in the state. So that should be a honey of a game down towards Indianapolis. Okay. Uh, also on the court last night, Triton. Congratulations to Jason Grove's team. They picked up a win over Elkhart Christian. Uh, Triton now 9-3. and three. But, Corey, you'll notice in all the scores that are there on that page in front of you, and we always have all the high school scores on our 46 Sports Facebook page, but in all those scores, the winning team scores in the 50s or the 40s. I think Triton might have gotten up into the 60s last night. They did. But this is something that's troubled me about high school basketball is the fact that the scoring is down. If you, if you look at the trends in the last 25 years, the two teams combined are scoring about 12 points a game less now than they did 25 years ago. We still have three-point shot. That isn't any different. No, nothing has changed in the rules. Um, and then if you look back to when you and I were kids back in the, the 70s and 80s, my goodness, the scoring has really plummeted since then, and they didn't even have the three-point shot. So I, I kind of bounced out to a coach the other day who has a team that has a pretty good offense. And I said, why, why do you think this is? And he contested that there are more coaches. He thinks the game at times is overcoached, that coaches are calling plays every time down the floor. There's patterns. It slows it up. He kind of likes to run more of a, a fast-break style of offense. Yeah, you work the ball, but when somebody has an open shot, take it. More of a let the players play? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I think that's what he's saying. The, the other thing he said – you know, and I asked him this question. He said, well, what are your thoughts? And as I thought about it, in most of the games we do, there's maybe two players on each team that are in double figures. The rest of the players, whether, whether scoring is not their role or whatever, it's very rare for them to have a double-figure game. Not making the shots. They either they either don't make shots, which is true for a lot of them. Um, I, I just think... Or don't take shots. Yeah, and that's part of it too. But I would also, I would also argue that for all the camps and the travel ball and all of that, there's not enough kids just going into gyms and taking shots. And not just take fundamentals, but, but really working on the fundamentals of mm-hmm. making themselves a good shooter. Mm-hmm. You know, the game right now is three pointers and layups. That's that's what the game is because of the analytics. I think there's tons of points to be scored in the ten to fifteen foot range, but nobody goes in a gym and just works on those shots. Mm. You know, S- Steph Curry, the great NBA shooter says that during the summer, he has to have 500 made shots a day. 500 during the summer. And then during the season, he backs it off because he's going to shoot during games. He backs it off to 300 made shots a day. So he has the mentality of, I'm going to go practice. If I've made 500, I can walk off the floor. But if I haven't yet, I'm here till I'm done. Yeah. Wow. And I just don't think 
there's, you know, and, and yesterday being the one-year anniversary of Kobe's death, we heard a lot of the Kobe stories about his influence on people and, and the stories he would tell. And we heard them during football season this year, too, with people, you know, we I think we shared the ice bath story about Kobe telling the young man that's a running back at Notre Dame about taking ice baths. Yeah. And, and he kid says it's too cold he goes well i guess you know you just don't want to be great um and and that's the thing i see a lot of kids who who work hard and probably think they're pushing themselves to the limit and they're just not there they're just not there and i i think there's a lot of high school basketball players who probably thinking they're working as hard as they need to and they're probably not. Hmm. Yeah. And maybe it's the, the, the watching of the big players on the bigger screens and, you know, as if that was just handed to them. You know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. Yeah. You don't just start a season and play your first game, prep, <laughs> you know, get in shape, shoot the ball. Well, you know, like yesterday, you wonder how many people shoveled off their driveways and went out and took shots. Yeah. And so I, I just think the the fundamentals of the game, the skills, and I know I sound like old guy I don't when think I say so. this, but I, I saw a quote from Denzel this morning, and it really hit home, and it kind of hits home on this situation too. Let me see if I can find it really quickly. Okay. But it was, he was basically trying to get across the point Stop letting your potential go to waste because you don't feel confident or ready enough. People with half your talent are making serious waves while you're still waiting to feel ready. Mm. And and I think there's a confidence factor there too. There's a lot of guys that go out there and they are they are afraid to fail. So the best way to not fail is to not do. Just to not do it. That's so funny that you're bringing up uh, having it. Do I have what it takes? Right. I was listening to a podcast just this morning of Justin Timberlake. Didn't we talk about NSYNC the other day? We Did might you have. bring them yeah. up on Underrated mm-hmm. Overrated? Sure. And he was toying with a solo career, but he had it made in NSYNC. And who was it that turned down one of his songs that made him go, I do have what it takes because I was asked to write a song for this individual? But the fact that they read it and went, ah, I'm going to pass on this. But that was the key to him going, I've got what it takes. You know who it was? No. Michael Jackson. Oh, well, yeah. Huge influence on everyone. If I had Michael Jackson looking at one of my songs that I wrote, I would figure if he's giving it consideration, it can't be that bad. Yeah. But the A&R guy called him and said, hey, he's been listening. What do you got? So... Notre uh, Dame returns to the hardwood tonight, Corey. Do they? Mike Bray's team trying to make it a three-game winning streak. But here's the problem. The team that they play has a number in front of their name. It is number 20, Virginia Tech. And as we have hammered across here on the Yak, Notre Dame just does not beat ranked teams. They haven't done it in years. And that's not an exaggeration. They have not done it in years. They have lost 27 straight to ranked opponents. So can they finally 
get over the hump? Can they finally beat somebody that's good? Find a way. Because Virginia Tech is coming in here, and you're playing them at home. You've kind of found your offensive flow a little bit. This isn't Virginia. They don't play that pack line defense that just drives you nuts. You're playing Virginia Tech. Good ball club. I mean, Buzz Peterson's done a great job there. But, man, oh, man, it's it's time, fellas. It's time to finally beat somebody. And we'll see if Notre Dame has it in them tonight because otherwise it, they drop to five and nine and it's a hot mess. This, well, I think it's already a hot mess. It's it just going to be hot, hotter. Well, yeah. I mean, it just it looks worse. The dumpster fire looks worse. Yeah, it does. You, you win this one, maybe you can then build on that. It, it's not like the ACC is going to be any kind of cakewalk. But what's the magic number they wanted to get to? Thirteen. Well, no. they've played thirteen games. That but wins. I'm sorry. What did they? Well, no, he, he has not talked about wins. He's oh, okay. just talked about how many games. The minimum number of games to actually qualify for the NCAA tournament is 13. Okay. That said, Notre Dame is way down towards the bottom in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Virginia Tech is tied for third with Louisville in the ACC. They're 11-3, and three, but they have a losing record on the road. So let's see if the Irish can get them tonight at Purcell. Should I be surprised about the Baseball Hall of Fame? I heard you tell this story earlier this morning that no one got to... Yeah, first time it hasn't happened since 2013. And actually, the Veterans Committee did not was not allowed to meet this year because of COVID. So this will be the first time since 1960 that nobody is in the class. Now, if you were going to Cooperstown this year, remember that there was no ceremony last year. So they'll probably put Derek G- have Derek Jeter and Larry Walker there in July along with the other award winners that get in. But is uh, it because they did not meet? That's why no one's on the list. Do they not know well, Zoom and technology or Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know what the explanation for the Veterans Committee not being able to use Zoom or technology, but the writers ballot, you have to have 75% of the votes to get in. Okay. So it's a very stringent process as as we've discussed on this show before it's not the hall of very good it's the hall of fame now kurt schilling in my eyes should be in the hall of fame he's one of those guys and he had 71 percent of the vote he came up 16 votes short kurt schilling's problem is not what he did on the field it's what he has done off the field um, some very controversial tweets. He got fired by ESPN for controversial things. They said he is an extremely conservative person. And so part of the Hall of Fame ballot talks about integrity and character, which is why people justify the case for not having Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, why they justify the case for not having Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, etc all the people from the steroid era in the Hall of Fame. That's their justification is they did not meet the character and integrity standards that are required for entry to Cooperstown. 
I would go back and say, if you look at the history of the people in the Baseball Hall of Fame, there are some people there with some fairly questionable moral standards that are, I mean, Babe Ruth was not a paragon of virtue. Ty Cobb was about as bigoted a racist as there comes. Yet they're in the Hall of Fame. So let's keep the standards equitable here, folks. And I personally think Schilling belongs because of his on-field play. And when you look at the Baseball Hall of Fame, so you've got the all-time hit king, Pete Rose, who's not in there, and the guy who has more home runs than any other. Now, as we said about Henry Aaron, I feel Henry Aaron is the legitimate home run king. Obviously, Barry Bonds took steroids. His head grew two sizes. You know, you can tell he was on the juice. That said, you still got to put the bat on the ball. And he has more home runs recorded than any other player in Major League history. So Major League Baseball has a Hall of Fame, and they don't have the person with the most hits or the most home runs in it. That, to me, is somewhat head-scratching. And this is why Kurt Schilling, after not making it last night, he's had long history of run-ins with writers. The baseball writers do the voting on who's in the Hall of Fame, and he said, just take me off the ballot. Just take me off the ballot because this I'll wait to see if the Veterans Committee puts me in. Follow-up question. Mm-hmm. How can you be okay with your head growing two sizes bigger? I'm not sure. How in the world can you... Okay, this is this this is fine. If this is the price I got to pay. And and here's the thing. Barry Bonds was a really good player. A great player before he took the steroids. I remember when Barry Bonds was in Pittsburgh. He was terrific. He could steal bases, he could hit home runs, he could hit for average. He was what they call a five-tool player. He didn't need that, but he saw all the attention that McGuire and Sosa got. He wanted to be a part of that conversation. And he wanted to be part of that. Here's, here's a fun fact Amazing. for you. Here's a fun fact for you. Sammy Sosa hit over 60 home runs three times in his career and did not win the home run title in any of those years because of McGuire and Bonds. So, the Baseball Hall of Fame um, remains vacant in this year's class. Uh, there were some baseball deals yesterday. The Phillies re-signed their catcher, J.T. Real Muto. Five years, $115 million. There had been a lot of talk that Real Muto might go elsewhere in the division. He re-ups with the Phillies. That will help their cause in a very competitive National League East. Tigers signed Wilson Ramos. He gets a little less than J.T. Real Muto. One year, $2 million. What about La Stella? Tommy La Stella is going to be with the San Francisco Giants. Tommy La Stella is one of those players. Everybody loved him on the Cubs. He would get some key pinch hits. He could play a lot of different positions, but he really didn't make an impact on the Cubs. And then he went to the Angels where he could play every day. And it's like, oh, this guy can really play. And so that helped his money-making ability, and he's going to go play for the Giants, who probably aren't going to be any stinking good this year, but he'll be paid well. (laughs) 
Speaking of uh, sometimes you wonder if they're any stinking good, the Blackhawks have gotten better. I actually watched some of their game last night with Nashville. And defensively, they've made some improvements even within the season. Now, part of that might be who they're playing, too. Let's not get caught up in the two wins over Detroit because Detroit's bad. Okay? Um, And maybe we overreacted to how they played against Florida and Tampa Bay, who are two really good teams. Last night, Nashville, that's, that's a team that's pretty much on a par with the Blackhawks, and that's how that game was played last night. Uh, Malcolm Subban did a terrific job in goal. I think the Predators outshot the Blackhawks about 2-1 to one in that game. Patrick Kane did not even get a shot on goal last night. That, that was just wild to watch. Hawks had a 2-1 lead until about the midway point of the third. Predators went on the power play. They score, tied up at 2, and then in the overtime, you skate three on three in overtime. So communication defensively is really key because you just can't afford to let a guy get open. So Nashville has the puck out towards the blue line. Dylan Strom is over towards the left boards, and he's guarding somebody from Nashville. Patrick Kane is kind of sagging off uh, Roman Yossi, who's got the puck out by the blue line. And then the third guy is chasing whoever the third guy is. But let's f- focus on Strom and Kane. Strom tells Kane that he wants him to follow Yossi. Instead of staying in a, zo- in a zone, and I'm going to cover this area, you cover that area, Strom tells Kane that he wants him to follow Yossi. Kane doesn't get the memo. And so Yossi skates around and skates in and shoots the puck past Subban. And the Predators win it 3-2. I'm sorry, but if you're Dylan Strom, you have to understand, Patrick Kane's on that team to play offense. He's not the best defensive player on the team. So why don't you take the guy over in your zone if that's what you're playing instead of all of a sudden, hey, we're going to switch guys here in the middle of the play. So poor communication hurts the Hawks last night. They fall to 2-3-1. and one. Detroit also loses in overtime. They lose to Dallas 2-1. to one. The stars of Dallas are now 3-0-0 oh, oh on the year. And speaking of O's, how about overrated, underrated? Come on now. John, Cougar, Mellencamp, minus the Mellencamp, with the Mellencamp, all <laughs> things Cougar. I was watching a video on YouTube yesterday. Eddie Van Halen's birthday. I was celebrating in my own way. Mm -hmm. And I stumbled across this VH1 All-Star Jam from 1996 that I'd never seen or heard of. Here's who's on the stage. Uh, Max Weinberg on drums Mm -hmm. from the E Street Band. Paul Schaefer doing keyboards, kind of leading the way. Richie Sambora from Bon Jovi on guitar. Nice. Brian Adams on guitar and um, vocals. Don Henley kind of moving around the stage, whether it be drums or singing. Cheryl Crow, Melissa Etheridge. Uh, There's some star power. Steve Winwood and Eddie Van Halen on guitar as well, doing all the lead stuff. They're going in and out of songs, classic songs, and two songs in, Mellencamp walks out and does um, G-L-O-R-A and, uh, and a couple other ones. But, man, Dress Pants kind of a cool bowling shirt got the cool pompadour mm-hmm. and this is 96 that's kind of how i've always thought of him he has a 
the bar is high. Yeah. That dude is a rock and roller, great song, great voice, no matter what he's delivering. Yeah, some of the stuff has gotten a little political. Like, I kind of keep my eye on and my ear on him. But, man, you can't deny that back catalog of just... Well, and the thing I like about him is he has always been true to himself. Yeah. He knows who he is, and he doesn't try to be something that he's not. I can appreciate that. Do I agree with him on everything? No. No. Do I think that he comes off as a pompous goof sometimes? Yeah. But you know what? He is who he is. Yeah. And I I think he's had a terrific career. I think he's a terrific musician and singer. Now. I love that he's still in Seymour, Indiana. But the question is, on this segment of the show, Mr. Man, not is he great. We all know he's great. Is he overrated or is he underrated? I'm going to say underrated. And why? I don't think that he gets the credit he deserves for being a great songwriter. Mm-hmm. I mean, the career as far as the, you know, music still in your face or on a chart or on the radio, it's the older stuff. I mean, he's still making records, but nobody hears them. But I think as a songwriter and a performer, he's still, he's got the goods. So I think he's underrated. I think people have forgotten him and need to be reminded of how good he actually is. I will agree with you. I'd stick him in a Super Bowl halftime. Give him 12 minutes. Oh, I think he'd be great. And let him do what he does. Or he's such a big IU fan, let him play at halftime. Yeah. There you go. You'd pack the stadium. You want to put people in the seats at IU football games? There you go. More marketing ideas from Uncle Chuck. (laughs) Yeah, I saw him do like a half-hour music show with Sammy Hagar, and Sammy went to Seymour, and he'd rather be a painter than a rock star these days. Yeah, I saw that segment. You know? And I get it, but uh, you can't deny those those first five or six records. Do you have a favorite song? Favorite album? Oh, I love Hurt So Good. Uh, I was listening to that on the way in. I love today. me some Lonesome Jubilee, that whole record. Yeah. That's a good one. With the, uh, it's like he, when he first added the violin girl mm-hmm. from uh, Bloomington. Yeah. Um, the Beach Boys. <sighs> you know, a lot of Fairweather fans or just out- outsiders looking in will go, well, they were a surfer band. It was the time. You can't deny how big of an impact uh, Brian, am I thinking Brian Jones? Yeah. Is that the right name? Brian Wilson? Brian Wilson, sorry. Brian Jones is the Stones. Brian Wilson, the production, the Pet Sounds record. I mean, that's the record that made the Beatles go, oh, we want to do that. Experimental. There's no stupid idea. You know, I would say down the middle with them. I'm going to go underrated. Okay. Uh, number one, longevity of career. Oof. Number two, the ability to reconstruct themselves after the key member of your group has died. Yeah. Number three, yeah. the points that you made with the willing to be experimental, willing to try different things. And number four, they... To me, they are the KFC of music. How so? They found a niche, and they stuck with that niche. Okay. You know, what do you get at KFC? Well, when they don't run out of it, you get chicken. (laughs) 
Can I get a burger at KFC? No. Can I get a, you know, a big salad? No. You get chicken. What do you get with the Beach Boys? You know what you get. You get that sound. You Now, it may come in different versions. It may come in Kokomo. It may come in Surfer Girl. It may come in Surfing USA. But you get that sound. I think they were really good at capturing emotion in a song. Like, when I still hear God Only Knows, I kind of have a little warm something in my yeah. heart, you know? No, they. but with that sound, they were able to either, you know, excite you, cheer you up, make you melancholy, whatever. Or Camp. No, that was the previous song. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Sorry. Much like KFC, would you say their secret recipe was wheat? <laughs> So you don't like the analogy to KFC. I loved it. I just had that, what I thought was funny joke, sitting in my back pocket there for a second. No, I think you're right. They stick to what they knew what they did, but they also experimented within the parameters of sure. what they did. But again, like Mellencamp, they were true to themselves. Yes. You got to admit, though, Kokomo is a good song. I mean, there's a there's a hint of cheese, but... It's still a good song. Oh, yeah. You hear that when you're kind of like, all right, I'll stick with this. And especially when you're on 31, hitting all the lights, which you don't <laughs> do anymore. Thank goodness. Thank uh, goodness for that. I'll live vicariously through you. No, I, I don't go that way. Sorry. <laughs> Unless I'm going to the Comb Palace down in Kokomo. I'm sorry? The Comb Palace. Oh. Oh, terrific place. Yeah? Get the tenderloin and a cone. <laughs> Say hello to the stout. Is it the tenderloin in the cone? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. The pork tenderloin, Sammy. (laughs) Yes. And the ice cream. Oh, okay. I thought it was actually in the cone. Where is that? The Uh, Cone Palace in Kokomo. Kokomo. All right. Have we done what we needed to do here? I think we have. I think we've done our best to inform and maybe even entertain the masses. Careful. Yeah, let's not get too far over our skis you know all the podcasters they say the same thing so do we hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode uh leave a review rate the episode always helps us out in the grand scheme of things yeah You're but are twitter, those right? other podcasters giving you birthday shout outs on twitter no you get that at 46 sports you really really do what what do you get at my name is Corey? uh a cornucopia of things people dying funny quips I feel like I kind of hit a hit a chord today with my corny joke about uh, people might be surprised that I have a police record. Really? Because I love me some sting. Ayo. No key. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga looga, Paul O'Neill. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker. Engineering your success. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. 
Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.